Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Franchise Tagger. Most Eric Salas, as always, joined by my buddy Chris. How you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. Been uh, been a little busy. That's why we haven't been able to you know make a couple of these podcasts in the last few weeks. But uh, you know, happy to be back. Listen, we're chilling. We got a lot of ammo to bring out today. Missed a lot, and then definitely a lot to talk about. So a lot to catch up on as well. So, Chris, are you ready to bite off some kneecaps tonight? I'm ready. <laughs> In case you guys have been living under a rock, uh, Matt Campbell. Oh, no, Dan Campbell. I almost forgot his name. He played for the Giants for a little bit. Uh, yeah, Dan Campbell, had the new head coach for the Detroit Lions, started off his uh, his, his uh, press conference being hired as the Lions head coach, saying he was going to bite her, your kneecap off. Um, actually, here's the – I don't know the exact quote, but here it is. Uh, from what I remember, he said, um, "If once you, we're going to kick you in the teeth, and when you knock us down, we're going to get up, we're going to smile at you, and then we're going to bite a kneecap off, and they're going to knock us down again. We're going to take another hunk out of you, something along those lines. Definitely over the top. Um, I, listen, I, I've never been a big, big fan of press conferences, but it's a way for the fans to kind of get a hint as to what your head coach is going to be like, because it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with anyone else. It's mostly to get your, your fan base hyped up. It all started with Joe judge. I think everyone's kind of trying to follow in his footsteps and try to make it like the most, uh, over, like not over the top, but like try to make you run through a brick wall. That's kind of the whole point of press conference at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, they're, uh, that's the only one that I really, remember seeing this so far has been that one because of it being so memorable i guess the rest have just been regular i don't know <laughs> speaking of dan campbell uh breaking news that just came out just now um anthony lynn has been hired as the offensive coordinators for the detroit lions um not a bad hire for dan campbell i'll say that um the guy who just got as a head coach it's never like the worst thing in the world like at first i know giants fans out there that are like oh they got jason garrett well you have a guy who's not going to be calling mostly anything he's there to be the head coach i feel like that's what um dan campbell is going to be so Mm -hmm. for the i think it's probably the best for their best interest for someone who had that experience as a head coach running a team to be the offensive coordinator so not not a bad hire for the lions i don't think no no not at all i think uh i think like you said you know getting somebody that has experience as a head coach is definitely going to help for a first-time head coach absolutely um I, th- I, th- I just feel bad for Matt Stafford, man. He's going through all these head coaches, through these offensive coordinators, stuck in a, in a bad spot. Do they still have to make a decision on him, right? They're not sure if they're going to move on from him at all or if he's going to sign somewhere else? Yeah, I think they're waiting. Because is this contract uh, up or is he looking to get traded? I don't really know his scenario. I I don't think he was looking to get traded. I think it was... Uh, a free agent signing. I think it was a free... Yeah, let's see. Um, I'm looking it up right no, now. No, I'm seeing trades. The first thing I saw is Niners yeah. are suggesting that, you know, Niners fans, I think it's a, um, a website someone wrote on that said they want a first-round pick for Stafford. Yeah, so he's still in the middle of his, his big contract, so he's going to have to. Yeah. It says it uh, ends in 2023. Apparently, former GM Charlie Casserly said that Matt, uh, that Matt Stafford wouldn't be going anywhere, but they have a new GM now. Yeah, yeah. There's there's just been I think there's gonna be a lot of shuffling around in this offseason just because there were a lot of head coaching jobs that uh you know, coaches or GMs ended up getting fired. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens over this offseason. There's gonna be a lot of moving around. Well, so there's been a lot of uh talk uh about a quarterback being traded to a certain destination. I think one of the bigger quarterbacks in the league right now, Deshaun Watson 
has made it clear that his top priorities, um, his pri- he prioritized his trade, the way he's going to be traded and where he should go. And that would be either to the Miami Dolphins or the Jets. And if we're to put it in a particular order, it would be the Jets and then the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So he's looking to go to New York. Um, he's, I've heard he's mostly respecting the fact that they hired Robert Sala. Yeah, that's what I heard. And I think if they hired Biennemi, they would have kept him. I said for a while that Deshaun Watson probably isn't going anywhere. But uh, as of right now, I think it's headed in that direction. I don't think he's talked to the organization once in, in a while. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they've had contact with him uh, at all this offseason. I don't think he's answered their calls or anything. Yeah, so his preferred trade destination is the New York Jets. I'm sure Jets fans are very excited about that. Deshaun Watson's only 25. He respects the fact that they hired Robert Sala. I enjoyed the hire, but we'll see where it goes. He's a first-time head coach. Part of Watson's mm-hmm. frustration with the Texans was that they declined to interview Sala for their vacant head coaching job. And then they also didn't interview Biennemi when he had his week where he interviewed with like all the other teams that had a head coaching vacancy. And I think yeah. that's kind of where it started. And then they didn't even bother interviewing Sala. Um, Watson has the Dolphins ranked number two on his list of trade destinations while the Jets are the top choice like we mentioned before he's not formally requested a trade out of Houston yet and he has um, and apparently their CEO uh, Cal McNair has no inclination of moving from the pro bowler the three-time pro bowler Deshaun Watson Um, yeah it's unclear but it seems to me if uh, these destinations are coming out he's going to push as much as he can to get out of there what did you think of the news when it first came out that he probably he wasn't actually like having a great time over there in Houston his relationships kind of deteriorating deteriorating with the Houston Texans what was your initial thought and did you think he was actually going to work his way out of there yeah, I mean, I know in the past he's had uh, – I know he's done a lot. Him and J.J. Watt have done a lot for the community. I know that really doesn't say much about the actual organization. Uh, but I just feel – you know, I was surprised to hear that it was to the point to where he was looking to get out just because um, – obviously there, there were those talks of him being unhappy, but a lot of it I figured was just about, you know, the culture. They weren't winning uh, they, they, or they weren't living up to the potential – so I figured, all right, that's where a lot of it's coming from. Then as more and more news started to break and you started to realize, hey, it's more with the, the management and, and the front office and all that, that's when I was a little surprised because I didn't, you know, I, up until recently, I haven't heard anything about that uh, to where there were any issues there. Like, you know, leading up with uh, Washington last year, obviously, you know, there had been talks from a lot of players that they were not happy with the owners and, and the management. Uh, but I didn't, you know, I didn't hear that at all for Houston's. I was a little surprised with the reasoning and, and I don't know. I'm surprised that he wants to, he wants to get out again since they did just give him that big contract. Yeah. It's a little weird. Why do you think he signed that contract? Do you think he didn't think they would go in this direction so quickly? Like, um, like he signed the contract. Was that before or after uh, Deandre Hopkins was traded? That might've been right before. Yeah. It might've been so right too. before. I just remember before week one started, it was, the, it was I think we even said on this podcast that their contracts together were worth like $700 million. Um, so it, yeah. it, it may have even been after the fact. I'm not too sure, actually. But uh, I don't really blame him. Maybe he thought for like, all right, this is going to be my future here. I'm the starting quarterback. I got my, you know. I got whatever I need. We're going to move forward from here. Mm-hmm. I think he really, where things really went south was that Biennemi and Salah didn't get hired. It weren't, not, not get hired, didn't get interviewed right away. 
Um, they got a new GM. Yeah. I, th- I just think the feeling of starting all over, you know, losing Bill O'Brien, obviously that was probably, that was definitely a must. And um, as soon as they moved on from him, they bring in the GM, no moves were made. And he's like, I got to deal with all mm-hmm. these new people. And if it doesn't make the right decision, my career is going downhill. I think he just wants a fresh start. And um, yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, you've been seeing, like, look at what happened a couple years ago with the Jaguars. I mean, they they were in the AFC Championship. They looked pretty solid. And then one by one, all these players were just wanting to get the hell out of there. And now, you know, they're kind of back to square one again. And I, I feel like that's almost what's going on in Houston right now. Yeah, 100%. Um, I believe ownership is where kind of th- things start as well. Um, I think a lot of people hired um and to play for the Houston Texans organization don't feel as though they agree with the certain political standpoints of the owner mm-hmm. um and uh you know it's definitely it's definitely not the owner's fault but if you you know i feel like if they're heading in the negative direction that's that's not that big of a help it's definitely this is this whole thing is kind of strange because especially for me because i originally thought i definitely did not think he was going to get moved there's only one head coaching vacancy left and that's the texans if they get Bien, mm-hmm. who knows when that'll happen? I don't know if he'll eventually stay, but I think he's making yeah. it very, very clear to the organization, hey, move me. So they're going to have to wait till March 17th. Uh, what is it? Yeah, it's March March 17th. Is that when the new league year it, starts? It's some, yeah, something around there, something around that date. I don't know the exact date off on hand, but it's definitely gonna, right around there. We're going to have to see what happens. So a lot of head coaching hires right before. Um, Last time we recorded. So, uh, hold on. I got the list right in front of me, and I'm going to read them off, and let's go over them. And, again, a lot of these head coaches are rookies. We're not going to have much to say. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to wait and see what everything looks like. Texans still need a head coach, like we mentioned before. The Jets hired Robert Sala. I think that's the one we could probably talk the most about, considering that Robert Sala, defensive coordinator for the 49ers, did a very, very good job with that team. Um, uh, Despite all the injuries that happened this year, they were still a higher-ranked offense, uh, I mean defense, um, and they did pretty well. And you know how that he's an animated Mm -hmm. guy on the sideline, has a shiny bald head, hard to miss. Um, And he comes over to New York, and he wanted to go to New York, uh, and it ended up happening. And at his press conference, he did very, very well. I mean, it's the most you could do, honestly, because what are they going to ask you when you get there about your quarterback situation? And mm-hmm. he's obviously obviously can't answer those questions. But he, but what's funny is I don't know if you saw this a while back too, but Kyle Shanahan said, "I know Robert Sala is probably going to get a head coaching gig sooner rather than later, and when he does, mm-hmm. he's not allowed to take anyone." And he ended up taking like half the staff with him, including uh, uh, Mike LaFleur, brother of Matt LaFleur, yeah, as their yeah, offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, I saw that. Big, big move there. You could see he's bringing a lot of the system from there over to New York, which I think can, can, be, can be a big help. And they have a big decision to make at, uh, at a quarterback, if, whether they want to get Deshaun Watson. I say they sell the farm to get him. Dude's only 25 years old. While well, you got Sam Darnold, 23, you could develop him into something, but I think you'd rather get that superstar mm-hmm. power now. You have cap space, get Allen Robinson, get another wide receiver in there, get him some weapons, um, and that can make something work. I, there's, I, don't, I still don't believe they're going to be the best team in the world, but Robert Sala's got a lot to work with, man. Uh, but I'm hearing mixed reviews. Um, obviously, Jets fans are going to be excited because Joe Douglas made the hire, and it wasn't a, anything not having to do with Adam Gase, I think helps Jets fans um, the biggest way possible. But the problem stands that he's a rookie head coach. Obviously, people are unsure. 
But you have a guy like Joe Judge who comes in mm-hmm. from the other side of the stadium, making some noise. Obviously six and ten, but he was in the playoff picture. You do, and there was a significant improvement from the year prior. And you like that, so hopefully he can make that same kind of impact. But um, who knows if he can only be a Robin? You know, like he's he's a defensive-minded guy on a team that had an offensive guy that wasn't good enough, and now you're going to have to make that mold. And um, we're, we're really going to find out if that animation, that his little animated emotional sideline uh, banter is, is gonna is gonna work in New York. We're going to have to see. Yeah, no, I mean, I think obviously when you have a rookie head coach, I mean, there's there's nothing to to gauge it off of. You can look at success at their coordinating position, but you know that doesn't always transfer over to being a head coach, meaning the whole team is going to be successful. So there's no real, there, you can't really look back and say he's definitely going to do well or he's not going to do well. Um, I think you know what you mentioned, the emotion, the attitude that he brings to the team. I think that's what they needed. I think that's what's going to be able to help the Jets is he's going to have that, you know, he, he has that mindset. He's going to get them going. He's going to, I think he's going to turn it around. He's going to get the players on his side. He's, he really, you know, he, he's going to have his players play for him. That's, that's the kind of coach he is. You know, he, they're going to want to play for him. They're going to respect him. They're going to like him. And overall, I think that's going to help improve the team's record because they're going to play more as a team and, and it's going to be more of a winning culture and a, and a better atmosphere. Now, Chris, I got breaking news. I don't know if you received it just now or not, but Tom Pelissero just tweeted that the Lions and Matthew Stafford have mutually agreed to part ways this offseason and the team will begin exploring trade options in the coming weeks for their star quarterback. Um, I would expect the 49ers wow. to try to make a move. I think the Jets stay, stand, stay, steer clear and work their way towards uh, Deshaun Watson the best they can, which I'm sure um, other teams will inquire about. But it seems like the Jets in Miami are probably going to be more than likely the destination. So who else would need a quarterback? Who, need, who needs one? We got the Niners probably uh, look, looking to move on from Jimmy G. Haven't heard anything from them yet, but this would be a phenomenal move on their part, considering all the weapons yeah. they have and what Matt Stafford can do with that offense. Um, yeah, I mean, you can look at maybe Washington. Washington they might want to get somebody in there. Absolutely. The, yeah. the Bears might want to get someone. The Patriots the might want to get someone. The Colts are looking for someone now the after Colts, the Philip Rivers yeah. retirement. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's there's a couple different teams, a couple different ones. Um, I mean, he's he's kind of uh, – he, it's not like the situation with Philip Rivers last year to where it's like, all right, we'll get him for another year or so and then – just kind of hope to win a championship. Stafford could still play around for another, I'd say, like three, four years at least. Absolutely, yeah. As long as he could stay pretty healthy. So even this if could he's be not somebody healthy, that he'll uh, be out there for you, putting putting some numbers up. I mean, rather him as healthy yeah, as possible, yeah. but he's he can you can work with with whatever he's dealing with if he's willing to do it. Yeah, and I mean, I think a team. I think the best landing spots would be one of those teams that uh, you know they they kind of have. The piece and what this is, I'm going to lean more towards the the Bears in this sense. But I'm going to say, you know, the team that has the pieces and you know they're not too far away, but that quarterback having a a good quarterback can you know make that team get another three four wins just by having a talent at that position that they haven't had. And I think the Bears would be a good spot for it just because of that. Wow, the Bears, I like it too. But it's in the same division. How are they going to trade? I know the NFC North. That's, yeah, that that's the only issue I see there. Um, the only the other team I would think of then would be uh, could be um, uh, honestly I could I could see the Saints going at it. 
the Saints. Well, we haven't heard if um, Drew Brees is officially retiring yet. All signs point yeah. to it. We know Ben Roethlisberger's coming back for another year. Um, mm-hmm. Once that, do you, but they're kind of they're kind of going to be in cap hell. The Saints, right? How are they going to dig themselves out of it to the point where they could tack on Matt Stafford's contract? Yeah, I think they're I lo- mean, lowest, I, one of the lowest teams in the league in terms of cap space at this very moment. I mean, yeah, but, but they've been like that for the last couple of years. So, however they're managing it, I I think they just. I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to overhaul and get rid of a lot of players. You can't really do that. But no. does that possibly mean you know? Uh, just drafting a running back and moving on from Kamara? Like, who knows? What I'm confused about is the fact that Dan Campbell just hired his offensive coordinator, now not knowing between the both of them, maybe they already, they probably already knew that this is going to happen. Yeah. But they, yeah. Ha- they have no idea who they're going to have a quarterback next year. And they have to figure that out now. Yeah. I know. That's, that's, something, that, uh, that's something that they probably discussed and they both agreed on. Like, yeah, you know, I'll come in. But I think, you know, I kind of want my own guy. And it's probably why this is what happened. While we're on the topic of the Lions right now, let's just and we're talking about the coaches as well. Let's talk about Dan Campbell for a second. So he was the head coach assistant in on in New Orleans. What was his other title? Was he a defensive guy? I assume he was. I think he he may have played offense. I don't remember. I I just know that he was help. He was an assistant over with New Orleans. I knew he was he an assistant hired. as well. That's all I heard. And I heard Detroit liked him. F- while they were still playing, so that was going to be the hire either way. Um, yeah. So in New Orleans, he was the tight ends coach. He was a tight end when he played football. Um, okay. I didn't get to see him play for the Giants, considering that he was brought into the Giants in 1999 and we were born in 98. So not much familiarity mm-hmm. in, of his playing career. But um, it seems to me that he's highly regarded. Again, he was the assistant head coach, also tight ends coach. But jumping right to head coach and hearing that press conference, if I were to honestly put my money on it, I don't know if this will work either. I don't think the Lions, like they may have had their eye on this guy for a little bit, like I mentioned before, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if they have a really, I don't know what kind of plan that they have with a guy like Dan Campbell. I I don't know. I mean... All he was was a tight ends coach and an interim head coach for the Dolphins. So there's not much of a resume on this guy in terms of coaching. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They must just like kind of like what we were saying with Salah. I mean, he has more to to work off of. He has more success. Um, But I guess they're kind of looking at it as more of a a morale or like an attitude kind of thing. You know, they just liked what he brought to the table. I thought, you know, just his attitude, just his view and what he wanted to do with the team. I guess they liked where where he wanted to go with it, so uh, they bought in. That's that's all I could think of. So the cap hit for Matt Stafford to be brought into a team would be twenty twenty million in twenty twenty one and twenty three million in twenty twenty two. So whatever team has that salary cap space that's willing to take that on. Yeah, but that's not too bad when you look no, at a lot of terrible. these guys are making making like thirty plus. So yeah, yeah. a lot of the people that just recently got contracts. So that's not that's not awful. No. Not awful at all. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's less than Jimmy G. Yeah. You were talking about the 49ers possibly. I'm pretty sure that's less than him. So I would like him on the Niners. That'd be a very tough scenario for them to try to get him though. 
I know. I, I, I think it, a team that's going to get him is one of those teams because there's so much talent right now in, in the draft class. I think what it's going to be is one of those teams that might have been, you know, middle of the pack where uh, they were just a couple, like one or two pieces missing to, to make that playoff run or, you know, to get over that hump. And I think they would just say, all right, we're not going to be able to draft one of these quarterbacks that we want. Let's just take him, uh, you know, hope that he'll get us those extra couple wins to get us either into the playoffs or get us, you know, that deeper into the playoffs and, and then go from there. So speaking of some more questionable hires, again, the Jets, Salah made a lot of sense. Even if the other teams hired him would make a lot of sense as well. Dan Campbell, mm-hmm. Dan Campbell's a little, a little awkward. Um, I have to say, I never yeah. really felt that great about it. Like I know when I feel good about hires. Yeah. Um, we'll get into mm-hmm. your boy Arthur Smith in a second. That was a good hire for the Falcons. I feel like he fits their system yeah. the best. So Salah and Arthur Smith, even Arthur Smith had a second interview with the Jets. Let's go with the Chargers. I'm hiring Brandon Staley, defensive coordinator for the Rams, over, um, over there, and brought him over to the Chargers. Who their 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 best. Listen, they can have a really, really good defense if they add, I think, like one or two more pieces and have yeah. a good coach who can figure it out, which he is, a, d- a defensive coordinator that's worked with one of the best defenses in the league, especially this past playoff mm-hmm. run that the L.A. Rams have had. But um, that offense, you have a a spectacular quarterback, a franchise quarterback that will be mm-hmm. there for 15 years, if you allow him to, 15-plus years. You bring in a defensive guy. Hopefully he can get uh hopefully you can get him somebody who can understand his way of playing and and let him get to work. You know, at least Anthony Lynn was an offensive guy, helped him out. Um unfortunately didn't get him the amount of wins to keep the job. Um they cannot screw this up. They're in a zero mistake, like no margin for error as an organization. Because you got lucky. You get rid of your franchise guy in Phillip Rivers. He's now retired after mm-hmm. his one-year stint with the Colts. Where are you going to go from there? You bring in a guy like Justin Herbert. Let him take the back seat to Tyrod Taylor. He comes in after that debacle with the punctured lung issue that they had. Mm-hmm. And he takes over, and he's basically rookie of the year. And... From, yeah, And from what you can tell from his performances past year, he can be an MVP caliber type player, can take it to the promised land if you give him the amount of help he needs. His second year, the second and third year is going to be huge for, for the Chargers if everyone comes back healthy and ready to go. Um, yeah, they cannot, cannot under any circumstances ruin Justin Herbert. That would be like if he has a significant drawback this year, I think that hire is going to be criticized like three games in if he's not performing at oh, the level he was here before. Yeah. Of course. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I just really, I'm not, you know, I don't really know what to think on that. Either. I don't know. either. I don't know. I don't know if it's bad. I don't know if it's good. I just really don't have much of an opinion to be honest. Like I, I just don't know what to draw from it. Well, the last thing that came to mind was them hiring a defensive coordinator. And I feel like Staley, mm-hmm. It's weird. Honestly, when it comes to offensive guys being hired, you're like, okay, that makes sense because their offense needs some tweaking. Who doesn't need help Mm -hmm. scoring? When defensive coordinators come in, either they really got to rely heavily on the offensive coordinator they're bringing in and hopefully the guy he knows is good enough for the job. Mm -hmm. Or they got to know within themselves that there's, there's defensive coordinators out there that have become head coaches 
like Mike Zimmer, obviously who who I haven't mentioned yet, uh, Bill Bill Belichick, who I should have said first because he's a defensive guy that helped a six round quarterback get six rings and it might be on his way to another Super Bowl on a different team, but that just shows how much of a success he was and how much work they put into him getting that success. Uh, so there are successful defensive coordinators out there in the NFL, and there has been in the past. But you'd think in the situation that the Chargers are in where their offense can be an absolute powerhouse, um, you'd bring in an offensive guy. Again, I can tell you if this is going to work out. Just was a weird fit. Just was a weird fit. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I personally like offensive-minded head coaches better than defensive-minded head coaches. I I just feel like offensive. I mean, I don't have any statistics on this. It's just what I'm assuming and and what I just when I think of quarterbacks and I think of offenses and I think of coaches. I just feel like the the teams that have more of the offensive minded usually perform a little bit better because is that then t- you just kind of bring. Is that a shot at Dan Quinn? Well, I mean, not just <laughs> him. Bit. I just feel like. I feel like in general, you know, you'll bring in some some defensive-minded guys, and obviously there's been successful ones. Like, you can't say in stereotype and say all defensive coordinators are bad at head coaching or all offensive coordinators are great at head coaching. I wouldn't say that. But I feel like, you know, when you look at things from a defensive coordinating standpoint, you know, your whole point is I'm going to look to – look and and stop all the offenses. However, this is now a very offensive heavy league now. You know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe that's a different story. Maybe you hire the defensive coordinator because these these offenses aren't as powerful as the, as they are now and the defenses, you know, you have these these guys going out there. Um I mean, there there are games now getting in the 30s and 40s in terms of points and I feel like beforehand, you know, most games were averaging in the 20s. And again, that's just because it was more of a defensive-minded league. Now you have, look at the teams that are left in the playoffs. They do have pretty decent defenses. Some of them are good. But for the most part, I mean, think of the players. They're they're mostly offensive heavy. Yeah, can totally understand that. But if you look at the numbers, especially if if we're going for recency here, let's take a look. Todd Bowles didn't work out as a head coach of the Jets. Is a pretty... Mm-hmm. He's a pretty good defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at, as we're sitting here right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dan Quinn was brought in with who this um, in the past couple weeks? Who was he just brought in? In which organization did he go to? Dallas. He went to Dallas as their defensive coordinator. We're going to see how that plays out. So nothing yet on mm-hmm. him. Matt Patricia, defensive-minded, comes into the Detroit Lions. Again, it's a badly run organization, but his head coaching record is abysmal. Vic Fangio, I'm not a fan of him, who came in from the Bears as their defensive coordinator, and they were <laughs> absolutely dominating with that defensive loan. Um, Marvin Lewis, obviously, like you know, again, he hasn't been great, but with a Bengals organization that's similar Two like a Detroit Lions and Houston Texans. He made it work and he got them to the playoffs um, every year. Um, Mike Vrabel, I feel like, is more of a player's coach, so I feel like that's a little different. Yeah. Um, Ron Rivera, I feel like, has slowly changed into like he's been there so long, like with the Panthers and then eventually moving on to Washington, that he understands both sides pretty well. Pete Carroll, a good example, but in recent years, I feel like no one's felt good about it. Steve Wilkes. Mike Zimmer has not 
people i don't know if people have been calling for his job over there in minnesota people are fans of him but i'm sure people aren't happy with him especially with alvin Kamara coming in and playing six touchdowns on your head um yeah, I can understand where you're coming from. I just feel weird when defensive coordinators come in where an offense severely needs help and are deteriorated in that arena. Unless the offensive coordinator, you know who comes in, can kind of just he he'll worry about the offense. Well, well, I mean, think about it. When I, I know that I don't know, I don't, I can't remember every single head coach, but there's a couple that come to mind that were more offensive minded. You have Cliff's Cliff Kingsbury who comes in who's a little bit more offensive minded and turn that whole team around. You bring in. Kyle Shanahan, more offensive-minded, and when his team was actually healthy, takes him to a Super Bowl. Then you go and you look at LaFleur. Completely changed that organization around back-to-back NFC championships. Sean McVay, too, yeah. Sean McVay. I just feel like the offensive-minded coaches, as of recently, have just been more dominant overall with with more team success. I'm not going to say you know their offenses are all stellar. I just think team success, they, they've been getting better records. Yeah, I understand that. So we'll see how that plays out. But again, weird fit there. Oh, the mm-hmm. weirdest fit of them all is the Jaguars doing everything in their power to bring out Urban Meyer from college into the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know either. Uh, when he was in college, he was also shaky. And he even said he wouldn't coach again, but how could you kind of pass? Like, what worried me is that when he was considered to coach in the NFL, obviously it was a little weird for him because it's like, how am I going to just come at a college where I mm-hmm. wasn't really coaching anymore and I haven't done it in a little bit? And obviously telling the public that he was not going to coach again. And they're look- the Jaguars looking in his direction. And the one thing he's arguing about is how much money he's going to get paid for a year was like $12 million a year. That scared me already, and the, there's a lot better candidates out there. Like a B enemy would have worked here because you have the number oh, one pick. Oh yeah, bring it. Like you would have given him the keys and really see what Eric B enemy is all about. Nothing. Everything the Chiefs have to say about him is great, but what else can they really say about him? But the, they're preaching this guy, and a lot of people in the yeah. media are preaching this guy. And it's been far yeah. too long where a minority head coach hasn't gotten a job. Like Robert Sala is a Muslim. He got a job. But I'm talking about black mm-hmm. head coaches. There are not many in this league. And this past year, Anthony Lynn just got fired. He's now an offensive coordinator. So what does that leave? Two mm-hmm. black head coaches in the league? Um, well, you have Tomlin and uh, what's And Flores. And, yeah, and Brian Flores. Well, Brian Flores is doing a pretty good job. He's doing a great Miami. job. And Mike Tomlin has not had a losing yeah. season ever. There's many qualified head coaches out there. And just to go on, I know a quick little aside here. What I've been angry about the, these past couple days, and I know Enemy already interviewed for the Texans, and a lot of people can argue you probably should have been hired by now by the Texans Any other any other of these teams he should have been hired by. But I saw Josh mm-hmm. McCown got a head yeah, coaching interview with them. Too. This guy has never been a coordinator. He's never been a tight ends coach. He's never been an, a, a special offensive quality assistant coach. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, give me a break there. It's all, all this stuff pisses See, me off. Like, seriously. Like, I don't care if they're going to the Super Bowl every year. Someone's got to make a move. And some of these yeah, coaching I mean, gigs, Urban, the Urban Meyer one, it just really did not make sense to me. I don't even know. Like, how. Obviously, they're giving him the keys, and he's like, if I'm successful here, I'm really going to show that I'm the man. But mm-hmm. ripping him out of college who wasn't actively coaching kind of scares me. And I think it may scare 
Trevor Lawrence coming in as soon as he realizes that, oh, wait, he hasn't really coached the NFL ever, and I'm going to be a rookie with Urban Meyer. Yeah, you're bringing in two, essentially two rookies. You have the guy that's supposed to be mentoring him and and getting him on the right track, and he doesn't know what he's doing, and then you're bringing in a rookie in the league who doesn't know what he's doing, and and that could could work out because they can, you know, build that great relationship and grow together. But, you know, the, the scary thing is there could be very, very big growing pains before the success comes. Yeah, I know, I didn't understand that. Um, Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, he, he – I don't think he even looked at any other of these coaches. He didn't even look in the direction of any of these other coaches, I don't think. I, yeah, I don't – I, don't, I think it Meyer. was – yeah, I was going to say, I think it was almost like as soon as they were getting ready to – interview or getting ready to hit the offseason it was urban meyer was in talks i feel like the whole time that's the only name i ever saw associated with the with that team the jaguars well this could be a very very big jaguars move or i mean in terms of a big move like that the jaguars haven't done much over the past couple years or this could be yeah this could be something that lifts them up and gives them a little stepping stone to move up in the nfl but we'll have to see they have a lot a ton of ways to go um oh yeah oh i just got a tweet what does it say it's about the head coaches the upcoming offseason is going to be wild there are seven new gms and head coaches who will be looking to build uh to build the team their way the cap is expected to go down because of the pandemic, which will force teams to make tough decisions. At least one starting quarterback, Stafford, will be traded. So we should be expecting a lot. Um, I don't have much to say about this head coaching hire, but I think they kind of just should have kept Doug Peterson if they were going to do this. Hiring Sirianni, as their offense, who was an offensive coordinator at the, for the Colts. Um, I don't know. I don't know. what. I, this is the first – well, I really don't know what direction this team's trying to go in. I I don't understand what that was. I, I mean, they said that there were there wasn't going to be a change. Now they say that there's a change. Like I, this organization, I think the only thing that was saving him was because he took him to the playoffs and he won their first Super Bowl. I think that's kind of what you know kept him around. But after what he pulled on the last week of the season, I feel like it was just like not only was it embarrassing, but it's like how do you not take action after that? Yeah, um, I don't. I really don't know. They have to make a decision at quarterback. I think they're going to stick with Carson Wentz. They have so much invested in him going into next year. Um, they're not moving forward with Hurts, and I think that's what happened when Doug Peterson met with ownership and Jeffrey Lurie, and he was like, "Hey, um, this is my vision. I want to go forward with Jalen Hurts, building the draft. They move this mm-hmm. up a couple spots to possibly get a better wide receiver." And they were like, no, this this contract starts next year. Um, we're yeah. Move on. So I think that's what might have happened. Yeah, I, I think that was part of it as well, yeah. And last but not least, Chris Arthur Smith was hired, offensive coordinator and many other positions with the Titans throughout the years before Malarkey, after Malarkey, all the way up to Rabel, make the playoffs the past two years, really turn that um, – franchise around with Ryan Tannehill people weren't sure about Derek mm-hmm. Henry finally is the animal that we've been waiting to come out and just wreck people and it's been they're a fun team to watch offensively and now you get to see 
and finally get to implement that fun type of offensive scheme and clever scheme mm-hmm. into the Falcons that I always thought needed help offensively more than defensively. You bring in an offensive guy, move on from Dan Quinn, who's a defensive coordinator, who has had a lot of help um, from Shanahan in the past, and that was probably his most recent success with him. Everything after that hasn't been the best in the world. Yeah. I, I want to know your thoughts about this hire. I thought it was great, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love this hire. I think this not only will it help our offense, which, you know, being a fan and just knowing what other fans are thinking as well, you look at this offense and they're they're pretty stacked up. They're pretty loaded. And it seems like game after game after game, it's like we're going out there looking flat, looking bland. It's like nothing special. You'll see those occasional nice plays here and there, but it's just kind of like, you know, you have Julio Jones, you had – even though he, he's been injured, you have Todd Gurley out there. You have Hayden Hurst, Calvin Ridley, you know, Matt Ryan's throwing to them. You, you look at all these weapons and you think, oh, wow, this has the potential to be a scary offense. And then, you know, we go out there and, and they can't even put points on the board. And it's, it's just like, what is happening? And I feel like by bringing in Arthur Smith, you know, not only did you see what he did with Ryan Tannehill's career. So I think as long as Matt Ryan sticks around, I think he's going to have a tremendous year. Because in all honesty, I think Matt Ryan is a, is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. So if you can make Tannehill look the way he is, imagine what he could do with a former MVP. Yeah, it's definitely a scary and thought. Then, but here's my question for you is I know a guy like Arthur Smith and I think the organization themselves are doing their very best to keep everyone on that offense or at least on that roster intact just to see mm-hmm. where they go from here. And I don't think they're going to look to make any gigantic moves, the fact that he came in. So that's a yeah. good sign. What are yeah. they going to do with Todd Gurley? Honestly, I this was my assumption, you know, kind of going off what I said. You know, he, he revitalized Ryan Tannehill's career. He's a very big play-action kind of guy and motion guy, and that's where Matt Ryan really excelled in with Shanahan. So I think he's going to revitalize that. And I think what's going to happen with Gurley is I think he's going to, you know, they're going to move on from that. I don't think they're going to bring him back. But I think, uh, honestly, I could see them going after – a running back in the draft, maybe not in the first with that fourth pick. You know, that's just not really a great idea. But I think my hope of them going after Najee Harris might might actually come true because, you know, he's like a mini Derrick Henry. And why not? You know, now the head coach worked with Derrick Henry. Why not bring in a guy who's very similar to him, a rookie? And now you could build him up just like he did for Henry. Yeah, um, I hope so, too. It's just very strange at the end of the year. They're like, yeah, we're going with Brian Hill here. Um yeah, they just didn't I, get a lot out of Todd Gurley. I don't think they even knew what knew what to do with him. And I think a guy like Arthur well, he, Smith could try yeah. to fix that. Well, they they looked to use Gurley as a, as more of a red zone kind of guy because we were having issues in the red zone. And he did get like nine or ten touchdowns on the year, which is not bad. I mean, a lot of them came in the red zone. So again, you know, that, that's kind of what we were looking to get out of him. Uh, but I feel like the the team also in the fan base was looking for more of. Uh, more of those flashes from when he was, uh, whatever it was, I think it was 2016 or 2017, when he was playing just out of his mind. And it's like, that just wasn't going to happen. You know, he, he wasn't going to be coming out like that. Um, was it, you know, the, the guys that were behind him, sure, they did all right. But, I mean, I just, it was a disaster because then Dan Quinn was let go. And then from that point on, I mean, Gurley kind of was almost non-existent in the offense. Like you said, you know, Brian Hill started getting more looks and it was just kind of like, 
you know, we were just a mess. It was, it was just an overall mess. And I'm just happy that we're going to have a plan by bringing in a head coach. That's an offensive coordinator. There's a plan for that offense. You know, he's going to figure it out and, and whatever happens, I have faith that it could be, you know, a better product than what we've been doing over the last year or two. Now, Chris, I mentioned to you yesterday, I believe, or two days ago that everyone's talking about the Robert Sala, you know, press conference, Dan Campbell's because of the things he said, but Arthur Smith was hired before, I think around the same time Sala was hired, maybe even yeah. a little bit before that. I don't, I didn't hear anything about Arthur Smith's press conference. Did you watch it? Do you know anything about anything he said? No, I honestly, I really didn't watch many of them. I've just been really busy. I honestly don't um, even believe he had a press conference up to this point. I haven't seen yeah, a, a I mean, clip, nothing. What 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 I'm assuming is if he did have one, he I'm did. kind of happy that I'm not hearing a lot about it. Four days because ago. Because I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like when you hear a lot about a press conference, it's usually in a negative way. Like we said, who was the first one we thought of when we thought of press conferences? Dan Campbell. And why did we say that? And even what you said, you know, don't know how it's going to work out. It's a little bit strange. Don't really know what we're trying to achieve here. I feel like when it's just kind of a, a general, straightforward, you know, this is how it's going to be. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not being in the spotlight right now. Just kind of letting him do his thing because the last thing that the, that the Falcons need right now is to be in the spotlight anymore. You know, after, with the Super Bowl and the type of season that they had to start off, it's like, I, I don't want to be in the headlight right now. I don't want to be in, in the spotlight. Don't want to be talked about. Let us do our thing and then, you know, leave it on the field and then you can judge from there. Okay, and that's all the coaching hires we've gotten up to this point. And I'm not going to sit here and talk about, like, GMs, like, as if I know everything they're going to do. Again, it's all yeah, based on their decision-making. The people we see on the field are the head coaches, and whatever they say in the press conferences is what we know about the coaches. The GMs, obviously talk about themselves and the head coaching hires and how they mm -hmm. make certain moves, but it's time's going to tell and what people do this year and the decisions they make. A quarterback's already looking to be moved. A uh, new GM over in Houston's looking to move their quarterback, possibly. Um, I'm sure they're doing their best to try to keep him, but it doesn't seem that way. So time will tell for the GMs. It's about their decision-making. As for head coaching, yeah. we, see that, we see that on a week-in, week-out week out basis on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays. So... That's why we'll sit and talk about that, but not GMs. Chris, and one last mm -hmm. thing I have to add. I don't know if I'm missing any other news. We had a little bit of breaking news during the show. But Dwayne Haskins signed a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. What, mm -hmm. do we, what do we think about that? Uh, uh, I mean, if you remember, it might have been the last podcast we talked maybe you know, two back. Um, but I, I mentioned I, I, this was right around the time that they let him go. It might have been that week when we last spoke. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, I said, I, I said, you know, I think – he could do something in the league. I think he just needs the leadership and he needs to sit behind somebody that's been in the league a while. That's a little bit more mature and going to kind of, you know, help him out, get him in the right mindset and, and really develop him into the player he can be. And I said, the Steelers could have been a one, one good possibility to put him behind. Um, and, and honestly, I, I kind of like it. I mean, if big Ben's coming back, he can kind of sit behind him, learn, understand, you know, he, he I'm sure he realizes he's messed up now at this point, uh, you know, by, by getting let go. I, I think he's going to come by, uh, come back a, a little bit different with a little bit different of a mindset. I think he'll be a little bit more mature. And then you figure, you know, that it's next year coming up. He probably won't be the starter unless big Ben goes down. Yeah. Um, so he has one year to kind of, you know, grow into that role, learn from big Ben, mature a little bit as well. And then you figure two years down the line, 
you know, they stick with him. He, he becomes that, that new quarterback of the team. He's got time to develop and, and grow into that role. I'm sure they're envisioning that, but it's still not a guarantee. He becomes the he just takes Big Ben's job as soon as he's gone. Um, it's oh a, no, it's not. Uh, yeah, he has a he needs he needs to mature, and I'm sure I know the Steelers definitely know about every decision he's made this year. They just know mm-hmm. their future isn't Mason Rudolph, and I don't know yeah. if that team is looking to kind of like the Colts looking to restart from scratch when a team has already been built over the past couple of years. They lose quarterbacks. Um, and they try to fill him in with some older guys. Um, I don't think they're looking to trade for a Deshaun Watson or a Matt Stafford. So why not bring in a young kid who has already had experiences in this league? He can learn under Big Ben, mm-hmm. learn that offense inside and out, and have him come in. It's kind of the same with the Saints. If they decide to move forward with Jameis Winston, which I don't know if they will because they weren't confident enough in yeah. him to start him midseason, that's kind of what they may be looking for. And that's not a bad yeah. thing for them. And again, Mason, like I mentioned before, Mason Rudolph's not the guy after Big Big Ben is officially calling it quits and hanging it up that he'll be the guy. I think I can definitely see Dwayne Haskins, if he matures over these next couple of years, has yeah. actually, actually plays well, because that's probably the number one thing. He can mature all he wants. If you go out there and throw three picks, it's not a good look and probably not the best mm-hmm. scenario you want to be in. But what I'm most concerned about is the Steelers interviewing Hugh Jackson. For their offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was. I mean, you you give as many people a look as you can. So I don't really blame him for that. Again, he's been a head coach in this league, but I don't know. I haven't heard any other interviews that they're trying to do. So it, it, it seems as though that Hugh Jackson is headed towards the direction of becoming the next offensive coordinator for the Steelers. If there hasn't been any other interviews by this time, so yeah, I I don't. I don't really know. When I saw that at first, I was like, there's no, absolutely no way. But it's it's legit. I mean, I I guess they have a little bit more knowledge on, you know, what he does and, and the kind of person he is because he was in their division. So, you know, they, they obviously know their division well. They know what they come to the table with, their strengths and weaknesses and all that. Um, so maybe they, they saw something... Uh, when he was in the division that they liked and they figured, Hey, look, you know, maybe as a head coach, he wasn't the, the greatest option, but we like things that we saw. And we think, you know, under Tomlin, he, he could excel. I mean, I'm not, I don't know. So Chris, I think we waited long enough. Um, I think at this point, you know, we got the conference championship tomorrow. Um, yep. and so I think everyone has already knows, uh, what they saw in the division realm. Let's do a quick, uh, you know, walk through, and a speed run, and we'll get to the, the preview of the conference championship game. Sound good? All right, sounds good. All right, so it started off last week with the Rams and the Packers, and the Packers seemed as though offensively they were just putting on a clinic. That defense just, for, for the Rams, just wasn't really there. And the Packers are running well with the mm-hmm. running back like committee, and so they're getting that going. They're getting that going. And I mentioned to this on another show that um, – I'm concerned for Aaron Jones, who may potentially be out of there by next yeah. year. And again, this has nothing to do with this year. I'm sure he's going to give his 100% to win a championship when he gets there. But they're giving him less and less carries. Um, and when he does run the ball, he does get them some pretty good yardage. And I think as a free agent, he will get a contract, whether it's with the Packers or some other team. I firmly, mm-hmm. I think the Jets may look in his direction. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that's offensively. It's like, but passing game, you don't even have to worry about it. Devontae Adams is an absolute stud. What I'm worried about is Lazard mm-hmm. and um, MVS dropping passes, deep throws, and um, 
Yeah. That's my only concern. But I think they'll make it work. Uh, Devontae Adams is, is really the glue to that offense. Um, for the Rams, though, defensively, they had a hurt Aaron Donald. Um, Jalen Ramsey, I feel like it's up for debate. I want to know what your take is on that. People b- thought that Jalen Ramsey kind of held Devontae Adams down as much as he could have. But at the same time, for me, I looked at it, I'm like, well, he's scoring. And you see these these routes he's running. He, I don't really see... Jalen Ramsey putting him like he's he's locking him down as much as people think he is. People are like he locked him down for the most part of the game. I I don't think so. I think <laughs> nine receptions, sixty six yards, and a touchdown. If that's considered locking people down, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> say that that's locking down. I mean, he contained him. He's definitely had a hundred plus yard games, so he did well in terms of yardage. I guess you could say, but he still got nine catches and he still got a touchdown. Well, on that one touchdown play, it was kind of like he was like it in was motion, a, it, and then he ran out right. Yeah. And I don't think someone followed yeah. him. I don't know if it was supposed to be Ramsey. Who messed up on that play? I, I think what happened was the uh, the way that Devontae Adams ran that route, he made it almost impossible for Ramsey to stick with him. Yeah. He ran you know, kind of around his guy, and Ramsey and his defender, they just couldn't. They got kind of tangled up, and, and then that got Devontae Adams wide open, essentially. I think um... – the big takeaway from this game overall was that Aaron Rodgers is out there just having fun. This dude's smiling at defensive oh, backs. Yeah. He knows exactly what's coming. He's the best quarterback <laughs> to play in the cold. Is he? Does he? Has he been playing the best quarterback you've seen from a quarterback these past couple of years? Because I feel like to me, I'm like this might be the best quarterback I've ever seen. Like in terms of yeah. making it feel that easy, I was telling my friends too that when Russell Wilson's running out of the pocket and there's pressure, it looks like he's sprinting, running for his life, and then making a throw. Yeah, and hopeful, hoping it's completed. As for Rodgers, when he's getting pressured and he has to run outside the pocket, he's like borderline jogging. Like it doesn't look like he's sprinting, and then he sees an open man downfield. It's almost like too easy for this guy. Yeah, I I think um, you know kind of to answer what you're saying. I think he's one of the more complete backs that yes. uh, complete quarterbacks that you know we've seen over the last couple of years because he's not very mobile, but he could run and scramble if he has to. He has a, a crazy arm; he can launch it down the field. You you know you you figure oh a lot of these quarterbacks they say you know collapse the pocket and then force him to kind of scramble out and then usually they have to throw it away. You collapse the pocket, you're getting screwed because he's even better outside of the pocket. So it's kind of like, what, is, what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you drop back in coverage and he's going to find the zone and, and, and throw it to exactly where his guy has to be, usually Devontae Adams. Or you pressure him and he rolls out and still gets it to the guy. So, so what do you do? Yeah, and in short-yarded situations, too, it's, it's like you're not beating him. You're just not. Oh, no. Second no, and two, you're not. He, he, third and one. He th- yeah. No way he you're throws the ball. He knows him and, and especially him and Devontae Adams. They have such a connection that Adams isn't even looking and the ball's out. He already knows where he's going to go. Yeah. Like, you, you don't yeah. stop that. You can't, you can't stop that. Would you say Jordan you Love may have that. been the best draft pick this year because it lit such a fire under Aaron Rodgers' behind that he was able to completely dominate this year? He's, he's, he's going to be MVP. It's, it's, it's not even a Oh, yeah, I, I think so Obviously. well. Obviously. Well I, I mean, that's... That's what, uh, again, you know, we talked about this when this first happened, and we both came to the agreement as well. You know, 
Aaron Rodgers is going to be a bad man this year. That's what we both agreed on. We said yeah. after them not getting him any help and then just drafting a quarterback, I was like, he's going to go out and say, fine, you don't want to give me help. I'll show you what I got and just prove them all wrong. That's exactly what he's doing. And I love that. I really do. But they really got this guy a weapon too. And if the Texans look to move on from Will Fuller, look in that guy's direction. I don't know if look they're going to do that in the direction. draft. Get like a vet in here or at least someone who is young and had, it's been in the league for at least a little bit where he knows what's up. And obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to make you better. I think they better look in that type of direction. Um, yeah. No, that's that's a, that's a definitely a good idea. Um I, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, they maybe they go after like an Allen Robinson. I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, well, Allen Robinson has been <laughs> – I think every team might be looking in his direction, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's no harm in them drafting a, uh, a wide receiver because, you know, there are some talented ones in this draft as well. Uh, but like you said, I think a veteran presence is going to be a little bit more beneficial just because you'll get more of an immediate response. I feel like the rookie, there's that breakout potential, but I, I don't know. That's you know, why they should have drafted a, a wide receiver like a year or two ago so that he actually develops into having yeah. a poor, you know, like a C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, one of them. Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs over MVP yeah. any day of the week, like obviously. Oh, yeah. So and I, and I mean, even help. with – yeah, even with Adams, he's been around, you know, three, four years there behind Jordy Nelson and, and Randall Cobb. And then he kind of grew into his role. You know, now I'm not saying that Adams is on his way out, but I'm just saying, you know, you want to still have that other guy that's below and developing. So that way, you know, then you you have these two amazing or very talented receivers. And, you know, that's just scary within itself. You know, you look at, uh, for example, what, what Julio has done with Calvin Ridley, like that's that's kind of the ideal situation, what you want to do with Adams right now. You know, you, you have this elite receiver, you bring in a, a rookie, let him mentor him and pretty much turn him into a potential one on other teams, but he's not going to be the one on that team because of there's just a freak at the number one position. Right. So that's that game. Ravens bills, not a good game on either team's part. It was more, I feel like it was more no. of the Ravens. Here came the, um, inability for Lamar Jackson to throw the ball finally came into play. And it wasn't even like yeah. a team was leading by that much. It was three to three by halftime. Bills actually picked up the pace. They made the adjustments they needed to make by the third quarter mm-hmm. and then won the game. No score in the fourth. But the big thing was that Lamar Jackson's own lone interception was very telling of where that game was going to go because it came back for a pick six from the other end zone. And uh, you knew yep. right off the bat that was going to be a pick because he threw it to like three bills in that general direction. Yeah. Just was not a good look. He gets concussed. Just was, uh, it was just going downhill for Baltimore overall. Um, yeah. Uh, fun fact, that guy that got that pick six, uh, if you remember back, I think it was a year or two ago in the draft when the guy was looking the wrong way and got pelted in the head. When yeah. He in the combos. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's who it was. That was him. <laughs> crazy, crazy turnaround. But for, crazy. The Bills, for the Bills, man, I think going into the AFC championship game against the chiefs, they, they got a lot to, to, to work with here. Um, and they really got to get it done. They can't hesitate. Um, they were very slow in this game. Again, the Ravens probably have a better defense than the Chiefs, I would say. But the Chiefs are like mm-hmm. any Sunday basis where they can come in. and. Uh, I mean, they, yeah, they, they have Mahomes on the other side of that. It's, it's just going to be hard. Even though he might be not fully 100%, still just not somebody you want to be messing with, with him and Kelsey and Hill. Uh-uh. Uh, Diggs is going to put them over the top. 
That's what I'll say. Uh, the running back situation is I... really tough, so they're really going to have to mm-hmm. rely on him, get John Brown some looks. Um, obviously, Cole Beasley didn't get any receptions that last game, but they got to get him involved. I feel like every, every receiver needs to play their role, but Stephon Diggs is going to be the heavy person to lean on, and I'm sure the, the Chiefs are going to come out with some sort of defensive scheme to keep him locked up when you don't really expect it because the Chiefs yeah. all year um, – Defensively, like they're okay, but they're not they're not spectacular. And I think this could be a very high scoring mm-hmm. game if they get things going in the passing game. And Josh Allen, um, he's going to have to use his legs, obviously throw the ball, but his accuracy isn't that great. But that connection with Stephon Diggs is that's going to be really be the key here. And it has been all year. So what else can you really say? Yeah, I mean, well, that was the thing. Looking at this game, a lot of times, you know. The last couple years, the Bills have been, you know, pretty talented. They they made the playoffs, or they've had pretty solid glimpses of okay, this could be a scary team at some point. Uh, but this year, it just feels different. I mean, obviously, they're they're a game away from the Super Bowl, but even during the regular season up until this point, I just felt like you know, it's it's almost like when they uh, when the with the Browns to where it's like oh, they're the same old Browns, and then they kind of proved you wrong. That's kind of how I felt this year with the Bills. Yeah, I felt that way with the Bills also. Um, for a while, though, I, I just feel like their offense is just really, really good. And that I feel like their defense is picking up over the past couple weeks, too. And that's always a good sign heading into the playoffs. I thought they were yeah, probably yeah. a better overall defense last year. I feel like they played out of their minds last year. This year was kind yeah. of like in the middle, but their offense definitely picked up the pace in that from that standpoint. But 17 points isn't going to cut it coming into this week. Regardless, like... No, Pat Mahomes cleared the concussion protocol, so he's going to play. And I don't, and I know he has, mm-hmm. he has that toe injury also. They really got to take advantage of that um, in terms of his performance. What like, and they got to perform better on offense. Um, we'll see, um, and we'll talk about that matchup in a second. But for Browns Chiefs, that game, um, I literally was watching with my eyes planted on the TV, and. Mm-hmm. The Chief, I didn't. Th- I I put money down on the Browns with eight minutes left in the fourth to come back and score and beat the Chiefs because the fact that Chad Henney was their quarterback and I, I yeah. know Stefanski didn't have his best best game coaching wise. Um, he really he really could have got it done here. I think they had the opportunity was there. They had the ball. They had the chance to win if they really wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. but obviously it all came down to the, uh, the fourth down play for Chet Hetty and, um, got the first down. I think it was with Tyree kill, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Tyree kill. Getting that first down game over, seal it done. Um, and they'll have Pat Mahomes coming back next week. He had that, uh, this stuff uh, tomorrow actually, but they have, they had that injury with him the, the week prior. It looked a little scary. Went to the concussion protocol. People didn't think he was going to play this week. And mm-hmm. that, that is going to be the primetime game tomorrow. Should be very interesting. But um, the big the big takeaway from this game is that what is what do you think of that touchback role? Seriously, with Sorensen coming over to Higgins, he he falls yeah. into the end zone. Look like a helmet to helmet. It's non reviewable. A lot going on there. Um, I see people going two different ways with that call. Obviously, it could have been a deciding factor for this game. But oh, definitely, yeah, a hundred percent. But um, that's something you got to look at there. The Browns did their have they'd have their opportunity, but that could have changed this whole narrative around. What did you What do you think of that call? Is it dumb? Is it what What do you think of it? What was your initial thoughts? On look, it? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the call within itself, but I think there would have been less outcry about this. I mean, there are people that don't like it anyway, but I think there would have been less outcry if he just held if on to the ball. Wasn't, 
Well, yeah, but I'm saying, but but if if it wasn't a missed helmet to helmet hit, I think it would have been a little bit no, you know, t- not talked about as much because in reality, if it was a helmet to helmet hit, then it, it really wouldn't have mattered. And if that play was called correctly, it wouldn't have mattered. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think yeah. that's where all of the that's where the the dilemma comes from is, you know, at the end of the day, the, if whether you like the rule or not, that's one thing, but you know, to have the rule happen and on the same play, you're, you're missing a, a helmet to helmet hit that. I mean, I don't know if you were watching, but in the next game, which was the saints game, the same thing, maybe even a little bit less of a hit happened and the flag was thrown. So it was uh-huh. kind of like, there's gotta be some sort of, there's got to be some sort of consistency. You can't just be doing that. Well, it was the fact on that play that you can't review it that they weren't going to look like. Yes, it should have been called, but they were. If they looked back at it, I'm sure they could have, but you couldn't. I I, yeah. I I showed it to Becca, and just she's like a ca- just a casual fan, kind of like us, right? Mm. But we kind of like yeah. look deeper into it. We actually have a podcast about football, so you know, <laughs> we we really deep, think deeply about it. But she was just like, yeah, yeah, makes sense. He didn't hold on to the ball. You know, and obviously you're doing everything in that scenario if you're Richard Higgins to get into the end zone. But at the same time, mm-hmm. there's yards to be had there. And if you just go out at the one, you kind of and I heard that Bill Belichick doesn't let his players do that. Yeah, I heard that, too. Yeah. Apparently in that scenario, you're not going to die for the end zone and potentially lose the ball or the goal is to lose the ball just because you crossed it because of the potential that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. might be that might be that type of call. I agree with that. I think he should have held on to the ball, number one. It was a helmet-to-helmet, so I feel like those kind of cancel each other out. But I, yeah. overall, why, I don't get the defense getting the ball back. They didn't recover it. Why do they get the ball back? See, that's the like, thing that it I at don't the 10 like. Or something. Like, obviously, yeah, they, that's, the yardage that's, are going to That's why gain. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. They got to make something up with that. They can't. Because you, you look at it as if it's you know the other way for the – for the defense, they either get the opportunity to get a safety or a touchdown. But if it happens to the offense, they're screwed either way. So it's kind of like, how is it that the defense has a shot to take advantage of a play like that? But in most situations, uh, the the offense doesn't get the benefit. Because even at certain points, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure it's within two minutes if that had happened, which I'm pretty sure, I, yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah. It might have, was it? Was it within two minutes? No, I, I was more. I'm thinking not like, sure, but I, because yeah. within the two minutes on the offense, if it's recovered, it's you know put back to the spot of the fumble. You can't proceed with the ball, so the offense gets screwed there as well. Right. Uh, you you can't advance the fumble, so no, I don't know. It's it, they got to do something. They just got to do something with that rule, honestly. But the Chiefs held on. Uh, Andy Reid. Apparently had the big cojones to get it done on fourth down with Chad Henney. Did it. But I'm telling you right now, that, that call would have been scrutinized if they let the Browns go to the AFC Championship. He would have been reamed for the next like couple weeks if Andy Reid did not get that done on fourth down. People disagree with oh, that call yeah. even after getting it done. They didn't think it was the right thing to do. I honestly, I don't know. if I knew, I knew that play call was coming. And the reason I knew that play call was coming was for, I forget what game it was. It was, it was a couple weeks back. Um, the, the chiefs were in a primetime game as well. Uh, and they, they had the same situation, had to get a first down to win. And they did that exact same play, the sprint out right to Tyree kill, got the first ball game over. So I was like, they're, they're going to do a little sprint out. They're going to just do a little dump off. Something's coming. 
And I watched it and I was like, it makes sense. They did this a couple weeks ago to win a game as well. I thought some sort of run with Darrell Williams, the fact that he was running so well and I saw him come in motion. I thought that was going to be the play. And then you see there was the pass to Tyreek Hill. Got it done. Um, Hats off to Andy Reid, you know, um, and he's going to get his quarterback back. And I think, I honestly think he didn't care what was going to be the result of that play. Um, regardless if you had a ring or not. Obviously, you're playing to get to the Super Bowl, but I think he's like, I may not get my quarterback back. Yeah, so at, at that point, what does it matter? I mean, you, you just got to take the risks. You, you just, take the risk. Like, if you move on to the next round, there's potential that I could get my quarterback going into the next game, and mm-hmm. and he's going to. Um, so, yeah. yeah, hats off to them, and who doesn't want to see the Chiefs possibly move on to another Super Bowl win? They're just a dynasty um yeah so quickly going into the buccaneer saints game i just uh, i just felt bad for drew Brees in this game dude um i didn't oh you didn't because you're a falcons fan obviously we've gone over this but <laughs> well, he well, well it's, I, I asked this funny. to my friends let me let me preface this to you do mm-hmm. do you feel bad for him in a sense that because like his wife posted on instagram or wherever she posted it that he was injured and he had even more injuries than those 11 rib injuries and that you know it was tough for him to play yeah. this year do you feel bad for him in that sense or do you feel bad for him for the fact that or do you just not give him an excuse at all because he's been washed over the past couple of years like has it been time for these past couple of years or do you think that if he's playing you should be like you shouldn't have an excuse. You're not hurt if you're able to play. If he was healthy enough to play, but I, he couldn't throw a pass 15 yards downfield. They needed Jameis to come in and do that for him. I, yeah. I feel bad for him in a sense that the past couple of years, how far they've gotten in the playoffs, they never got to the Super Bowl. Like at least you at least wanted them if they were going to get to the Super Bowl, at least lose in the Super Bowl. You wanted to see them win one. They've been favorites like the past couple of years. They get bounced mm-hmm. early or into the second round over some BS, over some non-PI call or something else, and they don't get it done. Mm-hmm. And this year they fall short heading into the third round. And um, yeah, it's a shame. Drew Brees, obviously, first bout Hall of Famer, no question. And just with the amount mm-hmm. of records he's broken and the type of career he's had, the leadership he's instilled upon his teammates – you tip your hat off to him. It's going to be weird not seeing him coming into next year. We're going to see him on TV, on NBC, obviously in the broadcasting booth. But um, mm-hmm. I feel like these past couple, to me, and I'll preface the question again because I know I kind of like kept, kept listening stuff. But to me, I think <sighs> it's been a rough couple years. And I think that as far as they've gotten, he may have not had enough this year to get us you know, to get them into the next round. I think this is the time to go. I think it was the right yeah, time. Yeah, I don't yeah. see another year coming. It looked to me like this was it. He took that last last look outside into the well, he looked like he took the, he took that last look into the stadium. Um the Superdome. And um he had that you know the the post game with Tom Brady right after they're all changed, he's playing with his kids. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. And I think there's you yeah. know you don't leave on the best terms in the world. But I think I think it's time. I do feel bad for him. I mean, I think over the last couple of years, like you said, obviously with all these injuries, it just definitely made it harder for him to to play through it. But like you said, I think over the last you know two years or so, two three years, he hasn't been the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hasn't been able to throw the way he used to. He just hasn't been as great as when like you know you think of drew Brees and he's had over five thousand yards he would launch it down the field he had a ton of touchdowns and and that's what you think of when you think of drew Brees. and over these last two or three years he just hasn't been out that hasn't been him and and honestly i think 
you know, I don't have, there are some players on that team and some people on that team. I really genuinely do not like, he's not one of them. I don't have an issue with him. I think he's always been okay. He's always been, you know, a, a good guy. He's never gotten in the spotlight really for anything too crazy. Um, they, he doesn't really like trash talk and all that. That's not his MO. I, I respect that. Um, but you know, I, I think it's kind of time for him to head out and, Honestly, you know, if, if anything, I think he not that he's holding them back because obviously, like you said, first battle hall of fame where you don't that that's hard to replace. Yeah. But if you can't make intermediate to long throws now, like it's severely enhancing your game. And when you saw towards the end of the game, when they were down by, you know, three points and then ten, that's when you need a quarterback that can make those plays that, you know, and like an Aaron Rodgers, like we said earlier, you know. In the drop of a dime, you're you're down. Uh, if you remember a couple years ago when they played Dallas, they were down, and he got him down the field in like ten seconds. Yeah, that's what you need from your quarterback, and he wasn't able to do that anymore. Yeah, totally understand that. And overall, I think that's it for him. You know, great run for Drew Brees, hell of a career. Um, could yeah. respect the man more. It's gonna be weird not seeing him in the NFL, regardless if the you oh, know, definitely he's not in your division anymore. You may be happy to see that. You want to get that next step up as a different organization, like the Falcons, if you're a fan of them. Um, if you're a fan of mm-hmm. a team in that division, um, but it's gonna be weird not going up against the Saints and knowing you're going up against Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. That's not the ML anymore. Yeah, it de- it, it definitely is gonna be weird, but. Um, I mean, it's been talked about for the last like year or two. Over the last two off seasons, I feel like there was speculation: what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And now it's uh, you know not officially confirmed, but pretty likely it's going to happen. Pretty likely, yeah. As for the other side, Tom Brady, Chris, we we talked about it earlier in the season, probably our first episode heading into the season, that we're finally mm-hmm. going to see if Tom Brady is the system quarterback everyone thought he was going to be when leaving mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. And people thought he was already a system quarterback with the Pats over the years he's won championships. And this goes to show you, he still got it, that TB12 diet, <laughs> hitting like crazy. Um, oh, he's yeah. got so many weapons that he hasn't had over the years. And he may have picked the right place to be. He makes it to another championship game. I don't think, I think Joe Montana is second to having however many championship games and Tom Brady's like doubled that. So he's like first all alone on an Island. Um, his yeah. throws were great. Even his completions were great. He was just on and he's just a stud, man. Yeah. Well, he can, it's he can play, funny for, because, he can play for until 50 if he really, really wanted to. Oh yeah. And it's, it's funny because there was a, uh, somebody said something out. They tweeted it on, on Twitter and they said, Falcons fans are cheering for the guy that, uh, you know, completely shattered their hearts in Super Bowl 51 and created the 28 to three jokes um, just because they're playing the Saints. That's how much the Falcons fans hate the Saints. And it's true. I was rooting for Brady. (laughs) I was mentioning to Jet fans, too. I'm like watching this guy perform this well in the playoffs and it's not a team in your division. Do you feel like, yeah, do you still feel hatred towards this guy? Are you still like, all right, I'm tired of it. You know, he tortured us for a while. I just don't want to see his face anymore. And they were just like, no, I find myself rooting for him <laughs> that he's not in our division. I could care less what he does. And he is the GOAT. And they're willing to recognize that. So, you know, the mindset's changed. And Leonard Fournette is starting to see the field a lot better as well. Yeah, well, that's with uh, Ronald Jones' complications that he's been having over the last few weeks. And, and uh, you know, when 
when he got that, that those looks and he's had the hot hand, why are you going to slow him down? Just, just keep doing it. So right. he's, he's, he's earned it. He has. And, you know, Chris Godwin drops that dime into the end zone. Rob Gronkowski drops one into the end zone too. They're in their hands. They drop it. Hopefully they can get it done going into this week. I still believe Green Bay is going to do really well, but I think it's going to be yeah. like a rematch of week five, but I don't think it's going to end up 43 to six. I just don't see that happening. Um, I think they're two different teams than they were in week five. Um, and no Antonio Brown going into the tomorrow as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. But he performed well without him. That's the scary part. Yeah. And, and when you look at these, I think that these two games, the AFC and NFC championships, I think these could be possibly the, uh, the best championship games we've seen in a while. Cause I feel like just with overall talent and overall production throughout the year, I feel like over the last couple of years, there's always been that one game where you're like, yeah, well, this one team probably doesn't have a chance. Like, you know, they, it, we probably think one team is going to win no matter what. I feel like with the, the, you know, the team that you, everybody favors would be the Chiefs. And even against the Bills, I don't think it's a shoe-in. I think it'll still be a tight game. I still think so also. So let's get into these conference championship games, shall we? We got it's two games. That's all we got to talk about. And then we got the Super Bowl February 7th. So very, very mm-hmm. exciting. Uh, let's start Buccaneers-Packers, right? I mentioned before, week five, Todd Bowles just had he, – he had Aaron Rodgers in his pocket. He knew exactly what to do um, in terms of that offense, just couldn't get anything going. And I don't know if that's going to happen necessarily again going into tomorrow's game, but – I do believe Todd Bowles will have some sort of game plan for Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't say Aaron Rodgers is going to be slowed down as much as he was in that game. I think it's going to be even better. He mm-hmm. may even dominate. Um, I just don't think the Buccaneers' secondary is as great as people are making it out to be. I like Devin White as a linebacker. I like their defensive front. They're getting Vita Vea back on um, on the defensive line. So it's, yeah. look, it's looking good. But I think their secondary isn't as great. Whenever I think of the Buccaneers, for some reason I get taken back to that Rams-Buccaneers primetime game. And I just think about Jared Goff and how him and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods were just able to flame them. Yeah. People going to yeah. that game thought the Bucs had a really like, – I can always keep hearing the Buccaneers just have a great overall defense. I don't think their secondary is that great. I don't know if it's just me. I don't know what you think. But I think, the, I think Aaron Rodgers yeah. is going to just outsmart that – that defense. I think we'll have enough. And I think Tom Brady's really going to have to bring the heat here. Yeah. I, I don't think that I'm not crazy excited about their secondary. I think, uh, like you said, I think they have a good defensive line. Their linebackers have been playing well. They do have good pieces in the secondary. Uh, but I, I just think it's, I think both of these games are going to be very hard fought. They're going to be close. They're not going to be, I can't go out and say I think one team is going to win over the other. I really, I think it could go either way for both games. I really, you know, like I said, I can't predict a Super Bowl. I, I would like to, I'd want to see a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl, but I am who knows? scared because of that, including myself, have said that, but so many other people just think that's chalked up. I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be Chiefs Bucks. Yeah, I wouldn't. If be anything, either. I'd want to see a Bills Packers. I know it's it's the opposite, but everyone's yeah. way of thinking is Packers Chiefs. I don't know if that's the case here. We could see something we've yeah. never seen ever going into tomorrow. Since when have you gone into a conference championship game knowing which team was going to beat who and what Super Bowl you were expecting? Like, you know, it's just a 
it's a it's a wild league. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I think they're going to be hard fought games, but it's I'm I'm just very excited for the games. Like I said, I don't know who a clear cut winners are. But I think we're just going to see great football. And the next time we speak, I think we're going to be, you know, praising how good of a weekend this was for football. I think we are also going to that Super Bowl. There's going to be a lot of storylines. I don't know where they're going to pull them from. But obviously, if it's going to be Bucks Chiefs, you already know the storyline is going to be that overtime. Um, you know, the year before, the Chiefs actually did end up winning their Super Bowl. Um, they could have had two if it wasn't mm-hmm. for Tom Brady scoring on the first possession in overtime in that AFC Championship game. They move on. And end up losing to the Eagles, I believe that was that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes um, and, it was. And so and that's going to be the storyline for that, if that's that. And either way, what's crazy about this year's Super Bowl is going to be that we're either going to get, actually this is what we're actually going to get, from either team though, either two older guys, vets who have made names for themselves, for themselves in this league over the years, had phenomenal careers, versus two young guys. One of them with already a promising future, potential hall, like a big Hall of Fame potential in Pat Mahomes. And then Josh Allen, who's trying to get Bills Mafia back, back on the map. And just a young guy who has made it this far, looking to make some noise. So you're going to get one of the older guys versus one of the younger guys. That's what I find the most exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I don't know. I think it's it's yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. And it's going to be interesting for the fact that you know, you have the Packers who were again same position last year, one game away and just played terrible and ended up getting completely destroyed. And then the other side is you have the Bucks who haven't made the playoffs in years and now have Tom Brady and it's like, oh, okay, you know, is Brady going to be back in the playoffs with an, in the Super Bowl with a new team? And on top of it, it's in Tampa. So are they going to be the first team to actually play in their home stadium in a Super Bowl? Right. And then on the other side, it's like the Bills, it's, it's, you know, you have the Bills who really haven't had much success in a while, haven't been in a Super Bowl in a very long time. And uh, same thing, like I mentioned earlier, you know, they, people kind of look at them as, oh, that team that just could never get it done. You know, they might be good, but they just never seem to be able to, to quite get it right. And then you have the Chiefs, who are the defending Super Bowl champs, who everybody from the, from the start of the season thought, all right, back to back, it's going to happen. That's why I'm so scared why people think it's going to be the State Farm Bowl. The State Farm Bowl is what I've been wanting for the past <laughs> couple of years, and I think yeah. I've even told you that. Um, yeah. and it's, it, it can, it does look like it could come into fruition, but I'm scared that so many people are chalking that up as that Vegas. It's a heavy favorite. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think we're heavily going to expect one team to uh, upset the other. And I think the fact that the chiefs yeah. have Pat Mahomes back. And even if he can't run as well as he, as he did prior to the toe injury, um, I still think him in the pocket is just as dangerous he has a lot of elusiveness. He can get a first down if he has the space. So he will run on that toe if need be. So I do see them back in full swing. I wouldn't rely crazy on that injury. Um, yeah. Even though the Bills, if they do come out hot at the beginning, then I'd be scared. But as for the Packers, that's a very losable game for both. That's the team. That's the game. And it's weird that it's the first game because obviously you want to see Pat Mahomes in prime time. That's kind of the mo this season. Yeah, yeah. But. This is this this very first game at three oh five tomorrow is going to be the most important of the bunch because it can go really either way there. It could go either way more than I think the Bills Chiefs can because you you could see the yeah, you could see the, yeah. the Bills slip up. 
Like if the Packers, oh, I don't think the Packers. I don't think they slip up. I think they just get annihilated by that defense. You know? Yeah, I, I could. I think. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Is I think in order for the Buccaneers to win, their defense is going to have to play cr- insane. They're going to have to play lights out. For the Packers to win, they're going to have to, you know, assuming that then that the the Buccaneers defense doesn't play lights out. You just have to have Aaron Rodgers go out there and just kind of outdo Brady, which is going to be fun to watch if that happens. And then on the other side with the AFC, I mean, the Chiefs, it's, you know, they just honestly, I think that the, the only way that the Bills actually have a shot is they cannot make silly errors or mistakes. You know, they got to limit the penalties. They can't have turnovers. And that sounds, you know, pretty obvious. Like, oh, just don't turn the ball over. Don't have penalties. But I think that's the way. They're going to have to have almost a perfect game in order to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, they're going to have to. And they can't have a game like they did against the Ravens under any circumstances. No. And that's... Out of all the teams that won this past weekend in the, in the divisional round, they scored the least amount of points. That's the only thing yeah. that scares me. Um yeah, we're, we're just going to have to see what happens, dude. Uh, obviously, going to AFC Championship games, they can go either way because they make it this far and all have Super Bowl potential, but who's going to come out on top, we'll have to see. I still think it's going to be the State Farm Bowl. I would not be surprised if we get Chiefs Buccaneers just because of the storyline. I think they have the mm-hmm. better chance to probably come out on top. I think that you know Chiefs get a lot of people back as well. They need a run game because that's the they were mm-hmm. lacking that this past week. They get Hilaire back this week. So I like it. I um I'm gonna run with the Chiefs, but good for Bills Mafia if the Bills somehow pull this off. Um, oh again, yeah, they, they're all they got they got some banged up guys on offense too. Stephon Diggs and Cole, Cole Beasley are not 100 percent by any stretch of the imagination. So no, no, they're not. But I mean, I think you know based on what I realistically think, like we said, I think it's gonna be the State Farm Bowl. But I would like to see the Bills make it. I would be excited for Oh, I would love it. It would be great for the NFL. It would be great for the NFL if either team made it because people want to see the Chiefs again. But I think the whole beauty of the NFL is you don't know who's going to make it and the storylines that happen. Yeah, you don't. So You don't. I would absolutely love, love to see the Bills in the Super Bowl. I think, think, you know, they just – it's just one of those teams that just hasn't had luck recently. And, and you, you know, it's something, especially after what they did with Lamar Jackson, where their fan base was donating to his cause after the game and they were, you know, having good sportsmanship. You know, you always love to see that. So it, it helps rooting for them. Absolutely. Um, I have nothing else to add here. We're already so close. One day away from seeing this all unfold. Who will we have in the Super Bowl? Um, crazy year, dude. Overall, uh, with COVID. Um, mm-hmm. they, got, they got through the season, obviously not to the standard they would have wanted to, but they barreled their way through it, broke down some doors. Yeah. doesn't matter. We'll reschedule. We'll not reschedule. doesn't matter. Uh, but they got it done, and now we're here. So that's all I have on these games here. Anything else you want to add, Chris, mm-hmm. before we wrap it up here? Uh, no, no, I think, I think we, uh, pretty much covered what we were looking to cover. Fantastic. So we'll wrap it up here. I appreciate you guys for listening up to this point. Um, you know, it's been a great year. Uh, we're going to come back even stronger for the Super Bowl, uh, wrap up this whole year and come back even better for this crazy offseason that we're going to have. Um, the most fun we've had on this show is surprisingly not 
in when the when the in uh in the regular season it's when the off season comes free agency yeah. crazy one of our highest listened episodes are in free agency so we're gonna have to see what happens mm-hmm. there the trades that happen where's Deshaun Watson going where's Matt Stafford going uh, it's gonna be a very strange year going to next year and we're very excited about it we're excited to talk about it with you so to wrap it up here thank you guys for listening follow us on instagram and twitter at franchise tag pod you can um subscribe to our youtube channel we got videos on the way um so don't you worry that that will be coming uh franchise tag podcast you can look us up um on there as well and chris appreciate for appreciate it for coming on i'm looking forward to our super bowl preview and Mm -hmm. um Either way, it's if, it's if we're expecting a State Farm Bowl, quick question. Do you think they already filmed a State Farm Bowl commercial? Like when they were when when, uh, when Patrick Mahomes and uh, Aaron Rodgers were together making those commercials? Did they pre did they pre-record something? Are we going to expect that if that's the case? I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know, especially after both teams got to this point, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that was in the works. Uh, Again, just in case it does happen, would not be surprised at all. I wouldn't be either. That would be. I think everyone would be like, "Yeah, this is fixed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, this yeah is I think so. Be- I think so because I think they would they would play it right after the game, and everyone would be like, "There's no way they had time to record this. How is this out?" It was like one of their drafts. Like if they both made, I, I'm pr- <laughs> I know they have that. I know they have it somewhere. They have to. They have to. <laughs> It's just too much potential. You don't just you don't have that potential and not take advantage of it. Right. You just don't. Right. All right, everyone. I appreciate you for listening, and we'll see you next week for the Super Bowl preview. We will see you next time.